Welcome to our podcast. My name is Keely Severson, and I'm here with co-hosts Eric Johnson and Alicia Swamy, and we are Exposing Mold. Today, we are interviewing Mark Levy from The Mold Guy. This podcast is brought to you by Michael Rubino, The Mold Medic, and All-American Restoration, the first and only mold remediation company in the country specializing in remediating mold for people with underlying health conditions or mold sensitivities. They've quickly become the most recommended remediation company from doctors and mold inspectors nationwide. Check out our show notes to pick up your copy of Michael Rubino's book, The Mold Medic, an expert guide on mold remediation, or visit allamericanrestoration.com to get your home assessed and get your health back on track today. Welcome, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's uh, really a pleasure to be able to meet all of you. And uh, I, I just first off want to start out by saying that I'm extremely impressed with what you guys are doing. This is a platform that is very well needed in our industry. And I think it's one where we need to have a bullhorn. We really need to have uh, education that is brought out to the public so that they really understand what's going on when it it comes to mold and other biotoxin exposures. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to be here and to talk with you and to share some of what we do and learn more about what you guys have to offer as well. Well, thank you so much for that compliment. That means a lot to all of us. I know I know that your, your company specializes in the hypersensitive population. Can you talk about what that means to you in your business and how you work with your clients? Yeah, I think that's really important that it's one of the key things that differentiates us from other companies that are out there. We're not your typical mold inspection company. We think our knowledge and experience really goes a long way. Just to kind of give you a little bit of some background about my company, The Mold Guy, we've been in existence since 2005. So we have a long understanding of this industry. We have well over 7,000 mold-specific investigations. And we basically have the experience and the know-how to go into homes and really look at homes from a very what I call deep dive perspective. And I think that's one of the things that is missing within our industry is that there's companies that are out there, they go in and they do very cursory type of inspections. And then the sampling methodologies that they use are one that really give people a false sense of security. So what we've been able to do is really create a whole methodology in terms of an approach. See, when you're dealing with inspections, it's really an art as well as the science. The art is the inspection side, really understanding how to go into a home and what to look for, because a home is a living, breathing system through air movement, pressurization. So you have to look at a home from a holistic perspective. It's not just one isolated area where there's going to be a problem. So what we bring to the table is the ability to take all the data that we find in in terms of the observations of things that we see, as well as the data that we collect from the labs and be able to create a picture of what's going on with that net particular environment to see what people are dealing with, to see what people are dealing with and what they're actually being exposed to. So it's not just one thing that you want to look for. It's not just the labs. It's not just the, the observations or the things that are going on. You have to really create, take all the little pieces and then create that puzzle to have a good, clear picture of what's going on. And we, we do a good job of that. The other thing is, is that 95% of our client base are people that have hypersensitivity issues. These are people with very complex health issues, SIRS, Lyme, Hashimoto's, gut issues, respiratory issues, autoimmune issues. So We have a really good understanding of that. Unfortunately, I actually not only live it every day through the work that I do, but my my girlfriend, my one of the most important people in my life is a mold survivor. She actually spent many years bedridden because of this. So we're dealing with that every day just through my personal life. So that helps me even with the work that I do. But at the end of the day, it's really important to really understand this particular type of market in terms of the individuals that are there because they're very much misunderstood. Not only are they misunderstood, it's it's really underserved. 
these individuals, many of them, they're dealing with very complex health issues, as I mentioned, but many times the spouses, the fa- their friends, their family members, even their doctors, they don't really believe them. They don't see that the things that they're going through have anything to, to do with their home or even uh, mold or any kind of biotoxin exposure. And many times, a lot of these people that I've seen have been called hypochondriacs, have just, it's in their head, or it's, it's just something that they just need to have an antidepressant type of drug to take care of it. And it's sad that that's the type of situation that a lot of these people are going through. And, and so when you have a toxic mold illness, you really don't understand it until you go through it, right? And so it's very difficult to explain to other people, especially individuals that are living in the same home with you, because what we find very often is that many times it's one individual in the home. And then there's other people that are there that may not be as symptomatic or even be experiencing the illness that they are. So it creates a lot of confusion in terms of really what's going on. So we understand the client. We also understand that there's other companies that are out there. And so when I first got into this business, I was your typical mold inspection company. I was basically taught and trained to do certain things from a very cursory perspective. And what was really interesting is that as I got into it, I started to see a lot of my clients were having health issues, but not just headaches or watery eyes or or allergy symptoms. These are really deep-rooted problems that really were getting to the point where people were debilitated. And so I have an identical twin brother. He's in this business as well. We started talking about this issue that we have. And we said, we got to dig deeper in terms of understanding what this is really all about. And so we decided to go to some medical conferences. And when we did that, It was really a wide awakening in terms of what mold and these toxins can do to the human body and how it really impacts people. But more importantly, what we found is that many of the individuals were being misdiagnosed by the traditional medical community. So what we wanted to do was really create a bridge between the medical community and the field to help them understand meeting the medical community to see what's going on. So Not only did we start going to these medical conferences, but we started to meet with the labs. As we started to collaborate with the doctors to understand what they were looking for, the type of information that was needed for them to help their patients, we went to the labs and we sat down and we looked at the technology that was available today. And that's the difference in terms of what we do compared to a lot of other companies that are out there because we use sampling methodologies to help create an entire picture of what's going on. So when we go into somebody's home, like I told you, it's a deep dive in terms of looking at all specific areas of the home and really trying to determine the historical aspect of it. What type of water issues that people were dealing with, or maybe certain other types of events that have occurred that could be creating mold problems. See what happens with mold. Most of the time you don't see it. It's hidden. It's behind the walls. It's in the cabinets. It's under carpet. And it's the byproducts too. And this is what I try to share with people. It's really important to understand is that mold from a physical perspective, as I said, most of the time you don't see it. And then the byproducts, which is the spores, the fragmentation, and these toxins that become airborne, they disperse and they become airborne, traverse through the air and then they settle throughout. That's what people are actually being exposed to. And so we look at where are these, uh, what I call source areas located. And we do that through the art of the inspection, as we talked about, it's an art. And then we look at what is the impact in terms of the my what I call the mold and toxic and microbial load within the home through the sampling methodologies that we do. So in essence, what we're doing is we're creating this picture, but we're trying to isolate where the source areas are. So we, we validate that. And then we go into looking at the full impact through the dispersion of these certain types of microbes. And then we put together a very comprehensive report. And that's really where the end result comes in because it's all in the information that we provide to the client. And I think that's really where the confusion is, is that people are looking at just one thing, whether it's a lab or it could be they see certain mold, but you really have to put everything together from a perspective 
of what's going on and what it means. And then what do you do in terms of the proper remedial strategy to correct it? And those are the things that we do, right? And I will tell you this, because of our approach, we typically come in, we're either the second or third company that comes in, which is really interesting. And most of the time, they're not finding anything, these other companies. And this is where the false sense of security comes in, because what we learned early on in our business is that mold, like I said, is nothing more than an allergen and that you come in and you look for the moisture. And if you don't see moisture, then everything's fine, right? Well, that could, couldn't be any further from the truth because as the, as the moisture was there, it created something and then it goes away. Things become even worse when it starts to actually dry out. We could talk about that in a little bit. But my point is, is that when you're dealing with these particular issues, it's really important for people to understand that when they're doing their research and they're doing the things that they need to do about how they're being impacted, that they're dealing with people that understand what it takes to go in and inspect a home and do proper sampling methodologies to determine really what's going on there. And that's exactly what we do. And so I think that's what differentiates us. That's what really puts us more into a situation where we're disrupting because as I said, we're the second or third company that comes in there, a hundred percent of the time we're finding problems. It's because of the art of the inspection. It's because of the comprehensive sampling plan that we do that enables us to really give people a true understanding of what's going on in their environment. Give you a little bit of a good overview of what we do and how we do it. I think that to hear you explain this gives me a sense that you're serving the mold population really well to a high standard. I, I feel like people not having all pieces of this information, like where, where could the moisture be coming into the house or where is ventilation failing? What are the moisture issues to address in combination with finding the actual source in combination with maybe having to have a sample number to report to the people who are more skeptical in the family about the situation. And then a full report of this is how we'd recommend to remediate, which I'm assuming isn't going to be like bleaching all the areas. This is what companies are not doing. And this is causing so much confusion that we see in the people that we try to help of I I got this air test. It's negative. My family's all sick. Like we see how this plays out in real life when companies aren't doing all of this. So nice to meet. Yeah, that that is <laughs> that is such a, a an unbelievable statement that you just brought up Keely because what happens is is that people are looking at these air samples. And this is and this is how the industry's been taught, right? That air samples tell you what's going on, but in essence an air sample is just a snapshot in time. It's only giving you an understanding of the five minutes or the 10 minutes of that collection time that's there. And it's really all about spore concentrations, right? And so there's a whole lot to this that people really don't understand because I will tell you this, that the most important thing to look for is where these sources are, right? And really determine where they're at and validate that they're there, right? And that's where you do this by being more targeted, right? And how do you do that? Well, you do that by looking at number one, the events that have occurred. So moisture is really the driving force that creates the problems, right? So understanding if there's a moisture event, you got to tackle that right away and you got to really take a look at what needs to be done. You just don't want to just let it dry out and let it be there because if you do that, you're creating another problem down the road. So what we try to get people to understand is, is that you want to react quickly. Don't be proactive in terms of doing the things that you need to do to correct these moisture sources, but then take the additional steps to do appropriate testing to make sure that there hasn't been any kind of residual issues that are left behind, right? And so we see over and over again, a lot of these companies that are out there doing these air tests and giving people, like I talked about earlier, a false sense of security. And you just can't just rely on that one test. That's the point that I need to really try to be clear about. It's the event itself. It's the type of event, right? In other words, there's different categories of water loss. And this is important too, because you have three categories. Category one, which is clean water, which 
I would argue there's no such thing, right? Because the minute it hits the substrate, it becomes dirty. It's gray water. And those can carry certain type of biologicals and other types of contaminants as well. And then you have the the black water, which is typically from sewage, which can carry many different biologicals and so forth. So people don't really look at the category of water loss. They just look at what do I need to do to dry it up and let it really get to a point where I could just put it behind me. You got to look at many different factors. Thank you so much, Mark. And I really appreciate you, Keely, for calling out the industry and our platform. Sometimes we can be a little brash. I'm sure you've looked through all of our content, but we we mean well and our intentions are good and we're very honest with everything. And it's so refreshing to find, even though you are like a, a diamond in the rough, to find companies like you that are actually helping these hypersensitive populations or even helping people be be, before they become hypersensitive. And I'm just curious, are you currently educating? I'm assuming you're working alongside Brian Carr, who is with Yes, We Inspect and is also a hypersensitive specialist. Do you guys plan on educating other inspectors in your methodologies? And if you have, have they been receptive to it? Well, let me just say Brian Carr is my son-in-law. So we go we we go we go deeper than just being associates in the industry. So Brian and I we we collaborate quite a bit. So I mean we're we're always talking about what what we can do to help people. But you know what? Yes to that answer. My my whole goal right now in terms of life is to help people do whatever we can to be informed and really to create a whole new what I call breed of indoor air quality consultants, because the way things are going on today, as we talked about, they're just not being properly trained. And so we really need to take a look at the industry and what we can do to change things. And that's really my direction. And that's where I'd like to see things go. It's to do proper training. It's to bring people in and give people an opportunity to see the need of what's there, but also to, to really get into a business that you know is very rewarding. I got to tell you, there's nothing better in terms of a feeling when you know that you have a little bit of a hand in being able to help somebody to have a better standard of living and a better quality of life, right? And that's one of the things that, you know, we pride ourselves on being able to do. And from an educational perspective, every time I'm in front of a client, I'm educating. What we like to do when we sit down with our clients is that we like to sit down and and really discuss the history of the home. But also if they want to share their results clinically with us, I would love to look at that. And I also would love to take a look at some of the previous reports that they have. And you would be amazed at the information that can be derived from the clinicals to some of the reports that they have from their home and how it ties in, right? And these are some of the things that we do when we're out there in terms of educating people. And the other side of it is, is that we run across many people, you you brought this up before, where you have the spouse that doesn't really get it, right? That spouse primarily is not feeling the symptoms, can't really, really think that has anything to do with the home, doesn't really understand it. And I'm dealing with these people as well. And I'm trying to educate these people too, to see really where their spouse is coming from and why it's being impacted. Because we all know, right, sitting here, that everybody's different. Eric and I are men, but genetically we're different, right? We have different histories in terms of previous exposure, current health positions, all these things factor in, in terms of how people are going to be actually responding and and what's going to happen when they're in an environment like that. So yes, we need to continue the education. And that's when I saw your platform. Wow. I put a smile on my face. It really did because This is the beginning of something that is really wonderful, right? We have an epidemic of sick homes and sick buildings that are out there. And we have people that are walking around feeling a certain way and they don't know why. And what I've come to learn is that the environment triggers the way our health is, right? And we may have certain genetic predispositions that we're dealing with, but it gets really 
initiated by these triggers in your environment. So to understand your environment, to understand the importance of, of mold and other biotoxins that are there, I think is a critical thing that can help people really have a better, healthier and quality of life. Thank you so much, Mark. What do you think is driving the epidemic of mold in homes these days? I think it has a lot to do with the way homes have been built. And I think it has a lot to do with maintenance too, right? But then I also will tell you this, there is a, there's a misunderstanding, if you want to call it that, in terms of landlords and the way that they do certain things. And if you're a renter, you, you have a lot to make sure you have a lot to do in terms of your the proper when you go into a place because I would tell you this there's a lot of landlords whether they are misunderstanding it or they don't get it or it's just about money and at the end of the day I think a lot of the ones that I've come across it's only about money right it's not about the occupant and doing the things that need to be done we really need to do whatever we can to try to educate the people that are controlling these buildings that are out there. And it's unfortunate that when you're dealing with a landlord and an association that's out there, that they don't see the value of really what's going on in terms of companies like us. They think that we're way over the top, that it's something that is not needed. And it just makes it very frustrating. And it's a from my perspective, I look at the things that they do in the manner that they do it, and it's just putting people in harm's way because they'll go out, they'll bring in a uh, contractor or a handyman that doesn't really have any understanding of what needs to be done from a remediation perspective. And then they'll either do a visual, maybe they'll go in and they'll do air samples to see if it's been you know, brought to what they think would be a normal ecology. So we got a problem in the special interest groups that are out there that have caused many of these homes to be sick buildings, right? And it's not just in the uh, landlord tenant area. I mean, you can look at schools, you can look at the governmental institutions that are out there. Unfortunately, I'll give you a great example. I have a client that I saw the other day who is a, a fireman. And uh, he was really concerned that there was something going on in his home as well as something going on at the station. And he was SERS compromised, clearly having major issues in terms of being symptomatic. He, at the station, he spends about 50% of his time at the station and he was experiencing huge symptoms at the station, but not just him, four other guys that were there as well, right? We go to his house and he brings us in and the guy that was there before didn't see anything that really was of an issue. Unfortunately, because of the art and the type of sampling that we do, we found major issues that were at his house. But when I looked at some of the data that he shared with me in terms of what was going on at the station, it was crazy. I mean, catonium, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with catonium and the type of mold that it is, but it's actually a sister mold to stachybotrys. And we could talk a little bit more about that. When you see catonium, I will tell you this. More likely than not, you're going to have stachybotrys there, right? And we also find more often than not that you're going to see the byproduct of trichothecenes that are there as well, right? So I basically told him that, yeah, you got a problem here. I didn't even need to see it. He just described everything that was there. I looked at his report and he was telling me that he went to the captain to really talk about the issues that were there. And he showed in this report, they brought their own guy in from the city. And he looked at it and said, nah, there's no problem here. This is, this is not an issue, right? So these are the things that I'm talking about, right? And when I hear things like that, it just drives me crazy, right? Because that's a great instance how you're putting people in harm's way. Here's a guy right? Who's a fireman putting his life at risk, right? Every day for people, right? And they're not doing what they need to do to help him have a, a safe place to be. Just drives me crazy. Sorry, you're getting, uh, you're getting me off <laughs> on a tangent with that. So I, Yeah, I know. We, this is the kind of stuff we get fired up about because it's obviously they're hiring people to lie on their behalf to reduce the liability issues, but you're putting people in harm's way and that is not okay, especially our first responders. My God, we need these people, right? <laughs> but I'm really curious, you, you talk about how different 
your approach is. And I'm just really curious, can you just maybe explain how your process is different from a standard mold inspection company? Yeah. So your your typical mold inspection company, they're going to come in, they're going to do a very cursory type of inspection. They're going to be looking for moisture. They may even have an infrared camera or a moisture meter and they're, they're looking for the moisture, right? And they're taught to see hey, there's moisture there. You got a problem, right? Or if I don't see any kind of mold, you're not having a problem. Or if there is something that they see, yeah, it's just pretty much kind of like a surface type of related issue. So they'll do air samples and really compare that to the outdoors. And by and large, that's what they do, right? And they give you a report and the report's very, what I call superficial, and it just doesn't give you a whole lot of data of what's going on. And then they interpret it based on what they think would be the the issues that are there by comparison your indoor and your outdoor counts. Here's the difference. When we come into somebody's home, it's all about doing a deep dive. We'll spend hours in somebody's home and we're going top to bottom. And we're looking for not just the existence of moisture, but we're looking for that history because the history is really key. And the, the history could be staining, paint peeling, buckling, separation of building materials. These are all areas of what I call footprints that actually there's going to be more likely than not an issue of mold that's going to be residing in that area, right? And then what we're going to do, so we call those source areas. So they're kind of like what I would say the manufacturing plant of where the mold is. And we want to actually identify these source areas because we want to have them removed, right? It's about source removal. And so that's the key. It's identifying these source removals. And then it's looking at what's the dispersion, what, what type of what I call spores and fragmentation and other types of settlement that's happening throughout the home that is really what's getting them into their, what I call exposure area, right? And then we use, you're, I'm sure, familiar with ERMI and you're probably familiar with mycotoxin sampling. We also like to test for bacteria. We think it's important. We do know that there are certain types of microbes from a symptomatic perspective, very similar to mold. So we try to give people a whole, what I call, cast a wide net of information to see what's going on in their environment and what they're being exposed to. Source areas, holistically, in terms of what's settled throughout. And then we put together a very comprehensive uh, report that outlines all the areas of issues with pictures, what the results are from the accredited laboratory. And then we write the work plan. We tell you what you need to do to correct the problem. So it's a step-by-step approach. And the, the report itself, very comprehensive, big time volume in terms of what we provide. And then it, it really, it's a twofold type of document, right? It's able enabling them to understand what they need to do for the home, but it also gives optics to see what they're being exposed to so that they can share that information with their doctor and see if it has anything to do with the way that they're feeling, right? And I will tell you, when I use ERMI and mycotoxins, that tells me a whole lot because a lot of people are getting tested for mycotoxins, right? And they're not sure about whether the environment is really the cause. But what we're able to do is that we're able to link through the use of ERMI. Now, ERMI, many people may or may not be aware of this. It's an MSQPCR. It's DNA. It's the most sensitive form for detection and identification of the different types of molds and species of molds that are there, right? When you have a health issue, it's important that you, that you have an understanding that you have mold, but it's even more important to understand the species because it's the species that determines the opportunistic nature of what certain molds can do, right? All molds in themselves are known allergens. Certain molds can be what I call pathogenic. Other molds can be toxigenic. They can produce what we call a, a mycotoxin. So I look at, when I look at the ERMI, I never tell people about the score and focus on the score. I'm looking at the types of molds and species of molds that are there because that's telling me a whole lot of what's going on in the environment. And then we do mycotoxin testing because we wanna see if there's been any type of production. So we can now correlate between the data that we have in the field and look at what's going on within their body to see if there's any kind of correlation that's there. And many times we're finding that it is, right? So the difference is, is that we're providing you with 
a tool that tells you what you need to do to correct the problem and the data points that you can see that you can share with your doctor. And then what we do is that we sit down. We always give our clients a consultation after the fact. Typically, we tell them 30 minutes, but many of these can go much longer than 30 minutes. It's about going over their report. But what we require them to do, which I think is really important, is to review the report and come up with questions from the report. Because what happens is people get a report and they don't know what to do with it. So we try to basically guide them to look at this report, even if it's overwhelming and it gets to a point where you don't understand it, just read through it, come up with questions, and then we can sit down and we can guide you through the report and give you a better way to navigate through it and what you need to do in terms of understanding it so that you can actually take action where it it needs to be. Awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone, Alicia here. One of the most common questions I receive from our audience members is this Who can I trust to perform a thorough mold inspection of my home? The mold guy performs mold inspections specifically for individuals who require a much higher standard of care owing to your complex health concerns like SIRS, Lyme, CFS, autoimmune issues, and more. Their testing and inspection process supersedes all current industry standards on purpose, making them thought leaders and disruptors in an industry unwilling to change old and outdated paradigms. Book your complimentary phone consult here at themoldguyinc.com slash connect. That's themoldguyinc.com slash c-o-n-n-e-c-t. On your website, you mentioned that you work with doctors and provide them the data to validate a person's illness. Now, in your experience, how receptive have allopathic doctors been to your group and uh, the data that you provide them? Very receptive. I mean, receptive, very receptive in terms of, of working with us. I will tell you this, right? When it comes to health, this is what I tell people. And I've learned this through Betsy, who's my, my significant other. It's so important to take the lead, right? When it comes to understanding what's going on, right? You need to be able to understand what's going on, but you also need to take the initiative to really learn and understand what's going on with the disease that you're dealing with or the symptoms that you're dealing with. So it's the research. And I got to tell you over and over again, it's all about really understanding your own situation and then finding good, solid doctors. And there are good, solid doctors that are out there. There's not a whole lot, but there's a lot of good doctors that are there. And these doctors, they need to be educated as well. They need to understand the information and how to read the information that's being presented from the field. And that's one of the things that we do. We try to help educate the doctors to really understand what ERMI is all about, what the mycotoxin results are all about. The same thing with all the other types of uh, data points that we, we bring in. So the education is really needs to be done, not only through the individual that's experiencing experiencing the issue, but also the doctors and all the other team players that are on the uh, surrounding area who's helping you, right? Because you want to create a team of people that, that could be surrounding you, that can help you and guide you to get you to a point where you want to be. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Just to go back to the indoor environment, what would you say are the most common offenders you're finding in homes? And are you finding a correlation of those offenders and the severity of illness? Let me make sure I understand when you say the the, the common um, areas of issues, is that what you're talking about in terms of where we're finding problems? I want to make sure I understand the question a little bit better. Sure. I guess what I mean by common offenders is what are you finding more as a problematic issue in people's homes? Is it mycotoxins, mold, bacteria, endotoxins, mites? Yeah. When you have a water damaged building, you're going to have all the above, right? So it's it's a cesspool of issues that are there, right? But typically people are more focused on the mold and the mycotoxin issues. And we specialize in mold and mycotoxins and we're indoor air quality guys. So we're 
doing other things from a microbial perspective for bacteria and VOCs and things of that sort, right? But I will tell you the biggest problem that's chronic is the, the fact that the water damage itself is not really being taken care of, right? I could tell you over and over and over again, attics and crawl spaces, basements, you name it. These are areas where things are originating from. People think, well, I don't spend my time in the basement or I don't live in the attic, so it's not a problem. Well, that couldn't be any further from the truth because two things, right? Number one, a home is a living, breathing system. So through air movement and pressurization, it's constantly pushing things throughout the entire home. And then you have your mechanical system. Where's that residing? Most of the time it's either in the basement or it's up in the attic area. And if those are uh, compromised areas, it's pulling from those areas and redistributing throughout the home, right? So it's really the, the maintenance side of what I see. So it's not taking care of the problems that were there and then really just letting those problems exist is the number one thing that causes the mold that creates the, the, the mycotoxins. So when you're dealing with these issues, certainly it's going to be the water damage event itself. And then the, the result of that is going to be the kinds of molds that we find, which in particular, we are finding very many, what I call concerning molds, whether they be aspergillus species or penicillium species, ketonium, stachybotrys. I mean, these are just a few to name, but all of those that I just named to you have the ability to produce very potent mycotoxins. Some people actually have more dominant types of sensitivity to certain types of uh, molds and, and mycotoxins that are there. Others basically are being you know impacted by maybe a number of them, right? So at the end of the day, I would tell you that it's all about understanding what's in your environment and then taking the steps to correct it. Absolutely. We definitely agree. I'm curious if you're seeing an explosion of hypersensitive individuals. Yeah, unfortunately we are. We, I, th I think I said this early on, we have an epidemic of sick homes and sick buildings. And there's a lot of people that are walking around and they don't really know what's going on. And they think, well, maybe I'm getting older or maybe I'm stressed out or, or, or it's just the, the lifestyle that I'm living, right? And maybe that's true. Maybe they are stressed out or maybe they have certain things that are going on. But I will tell you this, what I've learned is that your environment is a key part of the way that you're going to feel and the types of, of, we'll call it diseases or symptoms that you're going to be basically dealing with. And it just seems that our business, unfortunately, I mean, thank, thank you for the business, but I would prefer not to have people be sick, right? I would prefer people be healthy. And that's our mission in life is to help people because it's unfortunate that people are not informed. They don't understand it. And our job is what you guys are doing is that you have the bullhorn, you're creating the, the message, you're creating the, the, the understanding that this is definitely a serious issue. And we're the guys that are the ones that are out there. I'm the, the frontline guy that I work in the field and I'm doing the war for these guys in the field by giving them an understanding of what's going on within their home. And so at the end of the day, it's all about bringing all the information and the pieces together for them to understand that there are resources that are out there. You have to find them, you have to learn about it, and you have to really ask the right questions in terms of the people that you're working with so that they're going to be doing the right thing when they come into your home. Awesome. Something that just came to mind, and just as I'm hearing, we've interviewed so many mold inspectors, it's not even funny. <laughs> so we hear a lot of different things, which is very interesting. What I seem to notice is there's some sort of like disconnect or falling out between the report that the inspector provides to the remediator, as in the remediator isn't exactly following everything that the inspector is providing. Is there some sort of accountability situation or how does that work in the industry? Is the mold tester ensuring that the remediator understands everything that needs to be done or uh, is the client responsible for making sure the remediator is following what the inspector is recommending? Yeah. So the client's the team leader, they're the coach, right? And so they're, they're, they're bringing in these people and they're hiring these people, the inspector, he's going to come in and he's going to try to identify what's going on. 
may put together a good comprehensive plan. So there's a report that's there. That report goes to the remediation contractor and there is a, there's a missing link that's there, right? And that link is the communication between the inspector and the remediation guy, right? And I really believe that that's an important component that's there that needs to be done. And we find that in our, in our business too. And so what we've done is that we're now putting processes in place where we're going to sit down with the client. And what we're doing now is that we're saying, look, it's important for us for you to understand what's going on with the uh, report and how to read it and how to navigate through it. But I know it's going to be difficult for you to be able to present what we just talked about to the contractor, your remediation contractor. So we'll give them a 30 minute consultation to go over your report. And it's that time right there where you need to really give them a good understanding of what the expectations are going to be. Right. So if there's anything that can be done, it's the client bringing them together to make sure that there's proper communication that's being done to ensure that things are going to be done in the manner that the report is really dictating. There are other times where because of the amount of work that needs to be done, that the client's looking for ways to reduce the cost, right? So that puts another conversation in place with the remediation contractor who's going to give their opinion on what could be done to actually give them a a home that could be suitable for them, which is going to circumvent what's being recommended. So there's a couple of different things that could be going on, a lack of communication, or maybe the client is looking for a less expensive way to do the remediation that hopefully in their mind will be effective for them. Yeah, because I just think about if you're dealing with a family who they're so sick. And I remember in my worst days, my brain wasn't functioning. I I can't sit here and even read a book, mind you, to to even comprehend and provide that information from intaking it and then providing it and making sure everything is done. So I'm just curious in the case that a family is completely sick and just can't carry that out, do you guys offer some sort of service? service where you can act on behalf of the client and then provide that information to the remediation company? Yeah. So we don't do project management. That's not what we do. I mean, it crosses the line in terms of what type of business that we're in. And so we like to stay within our lane. But what we will do is that we will communicate and we'll try to be very effective in the way that we're going to make those recommendations to the contractor, right? And I think that's the key, right? It's the, it's about communication because you're right, Alicia, at the end of the day, when people have this illness, it's very difficult for them to not only comprehend, but for them to be able to clearly educate or maybe articulate what needs to be done, right? So it's very overwhelming, obviously. And at the end of the day, it really is about communication. And so that's one of the things that we would do to help really give these people a little bit better comfort in terms of the whole process itself. Great. Thank you, Mark. I have no further questions. Eric, do you have some questions you'd like to ask? No, I'm fine. All right. Is there anything else you'd love to share with our group, our audience members, anything important, anything that you think that we missed today, Mark? You you did a great job at just kind of hitting the Oh, well, well, thank you so much. I, you know, I want to talk a little bit about some of the contaminants and toxins that are in the environment, because what I'm seeing, which is really interesting, is that when you're looking at air samples and only looking at air samples, you're going to be missing a lot of different things, right? So when you're looking at data, you want to make sure that you have a good, what I call overall comprehensive approach to seeing what's in your environment. And I'll give you an example. We talked about the sampling methodology that we do and how it's important to really use a myriad of different samples to really understand the environment. Well, if you're only doing air samples, I will tell you, and this is an example with stachybotrys, which is something that is known as the black toxic mold. It's a dominant type of, of mold that produces a very potent toxin that could be very detrimental to a lot of different people that are out there. And so when people don't see stacky in the air, they don't think it exists. And what I'm here to tell you is, is that I have data that shows that even though you don't see it, it's there. And one of the things when I say it's there, it's the byproduct, it's the mycotoxins that are there. And I'll give you another example. We talked about catonium, which is a high water content mold. 
When you see that there's ketonium, as I said earlier, more likely than not, there's going to be the presence of stachybotrys somewhere, somehow. And stachy is a mold that's very sticky in terms of its spores, and it doesn't become airborne unless it's really put into a situation where it's disrupted, right? And so what's happening now is that as these molds dry out, they become very frail and they break down into very fine particles. And these fine particles actually are carrying these toxins and they're in the magnitude to what you're seeing in terms of spore concentrations, right? So if you see, let's say maybe one stacky or maybe one ketonium to us, that's a major red flag because that's a spore that could have been basically in a situation where all these fine particles have broken down. And now these, can, these toxins are being carried in the magnitude of what spore concentrations would be and in individuals' breathing zones, right? So be careful is the point I'm trying to make that when you see that there are certain types of molds that are there that are high water content molds, don't think that because you don't see it, it's not there. I mean, there are studies after studies that we've done in terms of homes that are out there where we're, be, we're able to show that we don't see any spores of, of, of the uh, stachybotrys, but it's off the chart when it comes to trichothecenes. So that, that's one of the things that I wanted to, to bring up in terms of really the knowledge base of what's there. And the other thing is, is that I think it's really important to really take the bull by the horn. And what I mean by that is, is that really do, do the research. And when you're bringing people into your home, it's all about understanding what that company is capable of doing for you, right? Ask the right questions. Questions in terms of, tell me about your, your process. Tell me about if you work with people that are hypersensitive and what are, the, what are the things that you're going to be able to do to show me as far as what's going on with my home and what kind of reporting system and how are you going to educate me in terms of what's there when I do get the report? These are things that you really want to be able to, to get from your, your provider, right, to ensure that they're helping you in the manner that they are. Mark, I had one more question before we wrap up. And it's circling back a bit to the beginning when you mentioned that your partner is also hypersensitive. And I'm just, I guess this is a personal question because I'm just personally curious. Does she ever have reactions or sensitivities to you secondhand after you do maybe a particularly awful inspection or just inspections in general? It's a good question right? It's hard for me to be able to, to tell that, right? I try to do a really good job of taking off all my clothes, right? And before we even get together, right? And making sure that, that we're not doing that. But you know what? You bring up a very, very good point. And this is one of the things that I want to share too. Thank you for bringing this up, right? As a provider, right? One of the most important things that we do is that we have to protect ourselves, right? Because I'm going into somebody's home and I know this person's sick. Well, I'm not going to go into somebody's home without properly protecting myself, right? So what we do is that we don a full Tyvek suit. We wear a respirator. And these are the things that we try to do to protect ourselves. So I'm hoping, right, that the stuff that we're wearing when we're going in and doing these jobs is really limiting the amount of exposure to my clothes, right? So we try to go ahead and we try to do the best we can, but certainly we know that these are very intrusive types of, of uh, contaminants that are there and they can certainly make their way. But I will tell you that it's hard for me to answer that question because it's really a lifestyle change when you're a toxic mold survivor, right? You have to be able to really change your lifestyle. And there's a lot of different things that could be going on that could be impacting the way that she's feeling. She can go to a place outside the, the home that could have been moldy and that could have impacted her. Maybe she was actually walking by something that's outside. I mean, there's a lot of different things where we know the exterior forces of outside can impact the way you are too. So 
It's about being aware of your surroundings and understanding that if you're impacted, think about where you were at. Think about if there was any kind of water damage issues or certain things that are going on that could have created the symptom. And then when you're at home, you're starting to feel a certain way. But yeah, it's hard for me. Like I said, it's hard for me to answer that question, but it's a good one. Yeah, I, I have a question. Was she ever diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was. She was diagnosed with many different types of co-infections, Lyme, Hashimoto's. She really spent, as I told you, maybe I didn't earlier, she spent about five years debilitated, bedridden. She was really not in a very good situation. And she found a way to really overcome it by really avoiding the exposure. And that's the key thing that I will say that avoidance is so critical, right? It's about avoiding these types of contaminants and really working on trying to flush out your system as much as you can, right? Through clinical processes or doing things where you can go somewhere that can help cleanse your yourself. And the, the better you're able to do that, the, the, the more that you're going to be able to get to a level where things could be more acceptable for you. Yeah, the uh, reason that I asked that is because the doctor never told her that chronic fatigue syndrome was actually coined for toxic mold. Eric, I will tell you this. If you ever sat down and you talked to Betsy, she's had some doctors that really didn't do her justice. And she's still looking for doctors that can help her, right? And it's unfortunate because many of the doctors that are out there, they really don't understand the the illness, right? Some really do, but others don't, right? And so she's been through a list of doctors and some of these doctors have not really done her justice. And, and so it's unfortunate, like I said, the education process not only really stems from the individual's but also the doctors themselves. A lot of a lot of education needs to be done across the board. Yeah, that's an incredible shame because it, what's the point of starting a syndrome? If no doctors ever look into it. Yeah. I I mean, you know what? It's going to be the people that are going to decide on what doctors are really going to be really moving towards. We need to push the envelope on this, right? I will I will say this. People really thought mold was a conspiracy theory. <laughs> think of it like that, right? They really did. They didn't think it really existed. But I know the from the work that I do. It's no longer a conspiracy theory. I can show you time in and time out the, the data that we have and the, uh, the types of individuals that are out there. There's millions of people that have been impacted. So it's all about the people really demanding what needs to be done. The people are the ones that are going to create the, uh, the path of where people are going to, to go. And that's what I was saying earlier, right? That's exactly what happened with us, right? We saw individuals that were sick and they taught us, right? And they really are demanding to have people that understand what we do, right? And so the more we do what you guys are doing, putting the word out and being with the bullhorn and doing these things, the more you're going to see people come together because there are doctors that are out there that care. There are people that are out there that care. They just need to have the proper training, the proper information to do this. And I don't have answers for for why people didn't do what they did, but it takes time to evolve. We don't know what we don't know yet, right? In in this particular field. I mean, we're learning every day. I've been doing this almost 20 years and I learn every single day in this business, right? So we have a lot to learn. We have a lot to, to really understand. And the more we push, the more that we demand, I think the better able we're going to get people to see that and give us services that we need. Absolutely. Eric's been in the game for what, 36 now, 36 years now, Eric. <laughs> so he's has seen it all and has a wealth of information. And that's that's something that we, we want to provide to um, doctors. We are actually working on specialized content for that missing link. I think they only understand a one-sided view of this illness, but there's a whole other side of this illness in order to prevent relapse or to even prevent symptoms. 
it's a set of strategies that you have to follow. Been so great. He's basically saved my life and Keely's life because of these certain strategies. And so again, that's something that we're providing on our platform, which is extremely revolutionary and something new that no one is talking about, but has a, a proven track record with a lot of people who have implemented it into their lives that have been made hypersensitive. But I do want to talk about Someone sent from your team kind of last minute, a really cool home cleansing guide with emphasis on dust removal. I really love to just get into that and have you maybe explain that to our team, our, our audience and our team, uh, just about ongoing maintenance strategies people can take for the home to keep it um, clean for mold, maybe after a, a, a thorough remediation has been done. Alicia, that's such a great point. Thank you for for bringing that up because many people think that when you have remediation, it's 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 already done, right? It's it's done, and that's all you have to do. But that can't be any further from the truth, right? And what we find is is that many homes actually go through equilibrium, right, because of the breathing that they're doing. So it's the dust that is the enemy. It carries all the contaminants, and so it's all about extraction, right? And we're big believers in source removal, extracting not only the sources themselves, but the byproducts that are there. And so once people have had remediation, that we've given you guys a step-by-step process. It's a four-step process that helps really give you the ability to actually maintain your home on a quarterly, maybe biannual or, or annual basis, right? And it's about really just doing a deep clean, right? So the more that you're able to extract the dust from your home, the more you're actually eliminating and reducing your fungal, your toxic and your microbial load in your home, right? And so I tell people that you you want to put together a a cleaning regimen every week. You want to have somebody coming in, you want to do a good, you know, solid cleaning, but then depending upon your sensitivity, Take this step process that we've introduced to you guys in terms of this methodology, whether it be quarterly or semi-annually or, or annually, and really do a very good deep clean in your home. And I think you'll see a big difference in terms of the way that you feel. The more that you maintain your home, the more, like I said, you're going to be reducing these uh, toxins. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mark. Keely Severson is passionate and committed to exposing the truth about toxic mold and its effects on the human body. Many mold-injured people are often misdiagnosed with autoimmune conditions, nerve damage, mental illnesses, and other chronic health conditions due to the lack of knowledge about water damage and toxic mold growing in their homes. The crippling effects of toxic mold on the body has destroyed many lives. Been there, done that. When she became a healthcare provider specializing in acupuncture and herbal medicine, it was only then that she truly began to understand the connection between her health and the environment that she was living in. Three years after becoming a licensed care provider, she became incredibly ill. She was suffering from kidney failure, reoccurring UTIs, and various negative mental health symptoms. When she learned that her family had been dwelling with mold trapped under her kitchen floor, the relationship between the toxic mold factor and her health finally began to make sense. It became part of her life's mission to help educate society on the extreme effects that mold can have on the body. Her work is vital because there exists a lack of experience and acknowledgement for mainstream medical practitioners and even mold experts. She has firsthand experience dealing with mold exposure, and she makes sure to address all the signs and symptoms during every environmental screening that she performs. She's developed a line of organic herbal tinctures and formulas to help most patients reduce symptoms commonly associated with toxic mold exposures. These symptoms vary and can manifest themselves very differently from person to person. Her herbal education and experience has helped her increase awareness and recognize signs in patients that may result from their toxic environments. Keely's dedication to learning and understanding the effects of toxic mold and educating and bringing awareness to her patients and other providers keep her motivated. She knows just how devastating the untreated consequences can be on your health and the health of your families, relationships, and life outcomes. If you or someone you know may be affected by toxic mold exposure, rest assured that you and Keely will work together to find a solution. 
By working together to treat the symptoms and stay educated on toxic mold exposures, we can reduce the impact of this devastating phenomenon. To consult with Keeley, please visit exposingmold.com slash consultations. That's exposingmold.com slash C-O-N-S-U-L-T-A-T-I-O-N-S. Book your appointment today. If anyone in our audience, um, Paul, if they want to seek your services, how can they find you? Yeah, thank you for that. We're very easy to find. We're on the internet, The Mole Guy Inc. So it's The Mole Guy Inc. Just look us up, The Mole Guy. And we have a a crew of people that answers phone calls. We'll sit down and we'll give you a free consultation to talk about your situation and give you an understanding of what we can do and how we might be able to help you. Great. Thanks, Mark. We really appreciate your time and just being honest with us and being very candid about what you guys do and also about the industry. I think everyone has heard it enough from us about how crazy the industry is and how there's very few good people out there. So we always make sure to bring on the good people that really know what they're doing and are being really thorough to to help people um, resolve their mold problems so that way they can get well, right? I think at the end of the day, it's just about feeling like a normal person and being able to live your life and enjoy your family and pursue your goals. And I think we're all dedicated to to helping people get to the to that level. So thanks again, Mark. You have a wonderful day. Thank you and and have a great week as well.